The following podcast you're about to hear was meant to be a Tour of Tasmania podcast, but unfortunately, lack of proper audio equipment and the raging winds down in Tasmania rendered a lot of the audio unusable. But we did manage to have a sit-down chat with Chris Harper, and I've decided to save that until the Tour Down Under, so you can enjoy it here and now. Um, Just a quick note as well for anyone who hasn't heard yet, um, the Breakdown podcast will be changing over to the Australian Cycling Insider podcast in the near future, um, just part of a larger project with a website and potentially some video coming along as well. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to australiancyclinginsider.com and yeah, give us a like on uh, the various social um, media pages as we're planning some big things in the future. Cheers. Hello and welcome to The Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and we're very lucky to be joined on this occasion by Chris Harper, um, currently of Team Bridge Lane, but soon on to uh, Team Jumbo Visma um, and the World Tour. Uh, Chris, congratulations on, on that news, of course, and uh, thanks for joining us here at The Breakdown. Yeah, thank you very much and uh, thanks for having me on. I obviously had you on a few times before. I think, I'm trying to remember exactly every time, but Oceania's, um, after you won Oceania's, that was definitely one we had you on. And certainly there's been other interviews of you featured, um, definitely after Nationals, about both those times you went uh, dustly close there to taking that win. Yeah, I guess where we'll start this interview is, this is like the quintessential NRS fairy tale story. Um, You're a guy who... When you were, you know, 18, 19, those sort of ages where people are getting picked up for the track program and getting uh, drafted into, like, the high-performance end of cycling, um, you weren't amazing at that stage. I think I think the first time I heard your name was at the National Capital Tour and you were battling it out for the climbers jersey with Ryan Christensen, who was at Oliver's at the time and was just racking up climbers jerseys for fun. But... <laughs> So yeah, and you've gone from that point to now the point where you're at the World Tour. Um, I'll stop talking now and allow you to comment upon that. Yeah, I think it's actually even earlier than that. I think uh, I think National Capital Tour was probably oh maybe two or three years, oh maybe not three, maybe two years into me starting NRS. I think the first tour I did was um, Tour of the Great South Coast maybe, and I was still a B grade cyclist locally, but. I was friends with some guys who were on NRS teams and they sort of encouraged me to take the plunge and they said, oh, even if you don't do well, you know, it's a great experience and you'll come out of it stronger. So, I mean, when I first started NRS, I couldn't finish any of the crits and I probably most stages would finish solo by 30 minutes by myself. So, yeah, it's been a steep learning curve, but, yeah, it's obviously NRS has played a pretty big role in... uh, in my development as a cyclist, at Great South Coast, that's a bit of a, a hard, a hard race to start off on, isn't? Getting in amongst all those howling winds and rain there. Yeah, this is back when it was uh, double days as well. So I crit every morning and then a road stage in the afternoon. And yeah, I had no idea what to expect. I'd never ridden in big bunches before, and I'd just be stuck on the back and crosswinds. I'd be out the back, or if I did try to move up, it would be into the wind, and I'd be gas by the time I got to the front of the bunch anyway so yeah it was a massive learning curve and I wasn't with a team I was just there as a composite rider getting helped out by my parents so I didn't really have any uh, knowledge at all but just learned as I went. 
Well, when was the first time where you realised, okay, I can start matching with the NRS guys and, um, you know, begin to excel amongst um, that 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 calibre of rider? Uh, I don't know. I probably can't really pick a spot where sort of feels like I was... Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I did... Uh, maybe when I went, went back to Swiss Wellness uh, and then I think I even had... I think I was third in Tour of Tassie with Swiss Wellness and I sort of thought, well, I feel like I'm able to hold my own in the NRS and, yeah, maybe some of the stages play towards my strength a bit and I think I think that's when I got the following year I got picked up by Arse away as well. So that was sort of when I started to think, oh, I can, uh, yeah, I can actually, you know, play a role in this racing and, yeah, actually do something, not just be... <laughs> be part of the race but not really involved well i'll pick i'll pick my moment then that i that i, that I really thought that you had had it in you um was the tour of bright i think that same year as yeah. tour of taz there yeah. uh where you you won that year and uh would look very accomplished doing it and i had only a small team around you. i think it was marcus cooley and jesse Fadenby, both both very accomplished riders in their in their own right uh but they were yeah just laying it on the line for you that's uh that day because yeah they, well, they believed in you and yeah. and obviously you had the goods to pay it off in the end yeah, yeah, for sure. That was actually, yeah, that was a really fun tour. And I was very privileged to have Marcus and Jesse both both riding for me. Marcus is super strong diesel and you can see at the moment he's been riding with Sapura and, uh, yeah, wins in, in pretty big races, Tour of Lane Cowie, that sort of thing. And Jesse's had some great results in New Zealand Cycle Classic. So, yeah, both very strong bike riders. So <laughs> for uh, a VRS race, we had quite a... Uh, yeah, we didn't have a our oh, Jeremy Cameron as well. He's uh yeah, very strong bike rider as well. So I was lucky to have a really good team around me which, you know, is sometimes a bit rare in a VRS race. You don't everyone sort of goes there and yeah, it's more just racing as an individual and without them I wouldn't have been able to defend my lead. So yeah, I guess that's a good example. <laughs> From there onwards onwards and upwards onto um was it Isoway Sports back then? Onto the Andrew Christie Johnston team, put it that way. That's that's the team where you go to when you're expecting to make that next step up to the World Tour, or at least that you know you get the best possible opportunity from a, a domestic team in Australia. Um, were you starting to dream at that stage that that thing was that sort of thing was possible? Um, given given your circumstances, given that you're starting off a bit later than other riders, and given that you were probably 21 at that stage and you were looking to make that next step. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always sort of set myself little goals of where I wanted to get. And at the time, I was being coached by Damian Mason at FTP training and Fens had, the previous year, had, uh, he'd jumped on and he was the performance coach for what was Avanti at the time. And then uh, from that, I always, you know, my goal was to get onto Avanti, what was Avanti or, you know, Andrew Christie Johnson's team. Um so that was my goal, and then that year I accomplished that, got onto the team, which was then called Iceway Sports Swiss Wellness. And, yeah, from then you, you, I mean, you don't know that you're going to progress to a, become a world tour rider or anything, but, uh, but the teams always had the race programs that if you're, you know, committed and you want to give it a good crack, then Andrew and the rest of the team are going to support you to try to do that. I want to pick out a few key races from that time. Um, obviously, we're going to have Mont Blanc in there because that was very much the springboard for your um, being signed by Jumbo Visma. But also, let's put the Nationals in there and, well, the summer, that sort of summer of cycling period um, in there. Um, 
how how do you go about attacking each of those periods? I mean, obviously, nationals nationals through the Herald Sun tour that's about a month long, yep. and you're looking to really build form for in different ways for each of those races. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, like you said, you sort of break it down into little periods of the season. So for me this year, it was summer, which was nationals tour down under Herald Sun tour. Um, and then I went on a bit of a break after that. And then the next focus was being good in Europe. Um, we went from Australia to Japan, which to be honest, wasn't at the time that was more, more about just sort of seeing where my form was going into that Europe block. It wasn't really planned to go there. And I mean, I still wanted to do a good result, but yeah, that wasn't the focus. The focus was, uh, the tour in France to try and try and have a good result there. So yeah, that, that again that was probably i mean that one race was the race for the year that you know i really wanted to try and win so yeah i think i've always just the best way that works for me is pick some races i want to and then work backwards and try and work out you know how long i need to prepare for it and go about it that way how has your preparation changed um over those years obviously you've got a lot more professional and you've um, spent you know, a lot of time refining your process in uh, that regard. And I'd imagine it, it's chalk and cheese um, compared to your early days. Um, and how would you, how much, how much would you say is connected to that maturity and that growth that you've got in, in knowing what you're supposed to be doing um, as opposed to just getting stronger? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah, like you said, it's constant learning process. I mean, I had no idea about, well, as an example, my first NRS races, I I was too bad to eat. I was always so so gassed that I couldn't eat anything. So I'd do these, you know, 100K stages without eating any food and just be hunger flat and completely empty. Whereas now, I would never do that. <laughs> I mean, now, obviously, you've you got to eat. You've got a certain amount of stuff that you've got to get in. So you're just learning new things every year. And I still, I think even this year is probably the most I've learned maybe not about as a whole but like sort of more just stuff that works for me personally and um, just refining about how I go about preparing for races and I think that's not only just me but also you know putting a good group of people around you to give you feedback and sort of say I think this works I think this doesn't and yeah get some external influences to you know sort of yeah I guess in a way mold you know to you to get into that that peak racing fitness well i think we'll talk about a few things because everyone can relate to well most of the people who are listening to this podcast can relate to riding the nationals um and you've been at the forefront of the nationals over the last few years there was there was that one year where you almost chopped your finger off and then uh two, and then two years subsequent where you're up on the podium um i mean i suppose that indicates the highs and lows of um the experience that it can be yeah yeah for sure i think I think I was thinking about it the other day and even from an under 23 I think I've either not finished nationals for either crashing or a mechanical or I've been inside the top 10 so <laughs> I remember you at that time as an under 23 when you went on about was it an 80k attack was was that about right yeah yeah with state of matter uh, maybe 2016 I think yeah with a bit over 60k to go I went solo um, and got caught by uh, Lucas and Lucas Hamilton and Chris Hamilton the last time up Mount Bunningyong. Yeah, so oh, strange to think you'll be on the World Tour with them <laughs> next year as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in uh, in the World Tour and all on different teams. 
nonetheless, um, you progressed on to you know being com- competitive at nationals, and I think I think that arguably that's what people would have known you most for before this season. I, I, I did, yeah. I'd venture to say. Ah, oh, yeah, for sure. Especially in Australia, that's sort of our, you know, that kicks off the racing, well, kicks off our summer, really. And, um, I mean, also, it's sort of the most spectator-friendly race that we really do. It's it's always nice ra- racing there, particularly since I've been in the elites. There's always a massive crowd on Mount Bunyong, which for sure gives you a little bit extra. So, yeah, it'd be fair to say. But, yeah, I also think... Uh, it's definitely the hardest race to sort of predict. It's so hard. I mean, you look at the ways it's been won in the last 10 years and it's like you can't really put your finger on it and say this is going to happen. So I think I've always just taken the approach of, you know, try and make my own luck in the race. And if that means being aggressive, then I'm happy to uh, spend some energy. and Or I'll, uh, if I think it's in my favour to sit back and wait till later, then, yeah, do that. But... Yeah, it's definitely a hard race to get right. I suppose the next question goes to the next step, and Jumbo Visma, obviously it's going to be a big a big deal, getting in amongst the quality uh, GC candidates they have there. We've spoken before, and you said you were just very happy to be uh, uh, Swan, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> domestic for them. Um, d- domestic for the likes of uh, Dumoulin, um, Roglic, those sort of guys. And obviously it's going to be a learning period again for the next um, year or two, certainly going into that sort of environment. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I guess there's a lot of, I mean, they've been doing it a lot longer than me and at that level for a long period of time. So I'm sure there's uh, plenty of knowledge that they can pass down. Um so yeah it'll just be interesting to you know get to that level see how yeah see how the best professionals in our sport sort of go about their business really and for those riders out there who might be thinking about taking that next step i mean what was it for you was it um getting an agent was it getting um uh getting some of that welter exposure where they went okay we need to look at this guy because he's getting results and then you put your name forward um in in that space and send off start sending off some data that sort of thing is it is it a, like a long process in that regard yeah i mean i guess it depends how far back you want to go really i mean from being on this team then yeah it's sort of about you go to the races where you do well and if you perform at those races then andrew has the contacts with managers or managers will contact andrew and say can you tell me a little bit about this rider and then from there if they're interested in taking you then it's just sort of Again, you've got to go out there and get the results, and once you've got the results, then, yeah, it's pretty much up to the managers to go and talk to these world tour teams and say, would you be interested in having a look at this guy? So, yeah, I guess that's the process. But, I mean, if you're in Australia, I'd, I'd sort of say that, you know, it's it's about getting to the NRS races and, you know, trying to get some results and, yeah, getting your name out there and try to get on a team where it provides you those races where you know, the managers are going to be having a look. I'd imagine you're looking forward with optimism uh, towards the future and racing, you know, big races that we've seen on, mostly seen on TV over here in Australia. But um, is there going to be any nostalgia in you for the old NRS events uh, going around in a bunch of 50-odd um, up at, like, Tour de Tweed or something like that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's nice being here and finishing, yeah, finishing the year really at an NRS race and a bit of, I guess it's probably a, going to be a lot more relaxed uh environment than maybe some of the races 
next year and it's nice a lot of the guys here at this race were you know i've raced in europe um and so this is probably the last race we'll do together for a while so it's nice to be uh nice to be able to come in a relaxed environment and sort of have fun and enjoy bike racing before things get too serious it's nice to see that the two world tour bound uh, guys ended up going one two on poetina we're actually talking just after the poetina stage and um yeah <laughs> it was it's a good feeling within the bridge lane camp at the moment yeah for sure i think uh today was a great day not just me and sando going one two but yeah also tyler third and jace fourth and uh, whitey eighth so you can't really ask for much more than that and then i think scotty bowden's back in the top 15 as well and i think on on gc overall we've got you know sort of stacked up in the top 15 so yeah it's a great tour and yeah i think if we can sort of hold on to this it'll be a nice way to finish the year well, we're going to be looking forward to seeing you perform in the rest of the Tour of Tasmania and then certainly for the rest of your hopefully long career in the World Tour. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.